Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here. And if you didn't catch it yesterday, we started breaking down the athletics NBA player rankings going into this season. Spoiler alert, it was not favorable. And today, that trend will continue. We are going to explain why Emmanuel quickly was robbed, why uh, Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett are also robbed, and also <laughs> decide if uh, Josh Hart and Mitchell Robinson were robbed as well. Lots of robbery going on. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll call on the authorities next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Starks without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA or enter promo code LockedOnNBA for a free white tech hat with any purchase like I'm wearing right now. You won't want to take your Bird Dogs off. We promise you that. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. And make sure that you hit that auto-download function on your favorite podcast app or uh, the notification bell on YouTube so you never miss an episode. And if you want to keep the conversation going with us, you do so right on your phone, right through your text messaging app using subtext. So check that out in the episode description to see how to sign up today and talk with us whenever you want. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find strict.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And uh, Seth Partnow is not our favorite NBA writer's favorite NBA writer at this moment as he came out with this, this ranking, this dirty, terrible list of players that just robbed the Knicks over and over. Uh, Gavin, break down for me real quick why it is absolute highway robbery that Emmanuel quickly finds himself outside the top 100. All right, so Seth, Seth is a, we, we discussed it a lot last episode. He is a, a big numbers guy, right? Let's just, let's just reiterate. He has Emmanuel quickly at a hundred and second on this list. Um, in the, the four metrics that Seth uses to rank players, Emmanuel quickly is 31st, 62nd, 15th, and 31st in the NBA. So you add that all up, uh, roughly, I don't know, should be about the 32nd best player in the league, right? Instead, He's outside the top 100. And here are some of the names that he is behind. Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Herb Jones, Jordan Poole, Gary Trent Jr., DeAndre Hunter, Canada's most wanted, Dylan Brooks, Jonas Valanciunas, Tobias Harris, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, and one spot ahead of him, inexplicably, D'Angelo Russell. What are we doing here? What yeah. are we doing here, Alex? I don't know, man. And you know what? You know what? One jumps out to me there too is like Jordan Poole. I'm like, didn't that guy just get salary dumped off a team like with real aspirations? Like, <laughs> did he not they just are... get salary dumped for Chris Paul? Like, <laughs> he had some big playoff games. Emmanuel quickly has never had some big playoff games. I will say that. Beyond that, he is one of the worst defenders in the league. 
Emmanuel quickly is one of the best guard defenders in the league. And they're very similar offensively. In fact, IQ pretty clear cut had a better offensive season a year ago than Jordan Poole. So I don't know what's going on there. D'Lo is a, I cannot imagine. I, I mean, I can, but hard to find a bigger gap between two players defensively. Offensively, I will take quickly every single day of the week. So we can, we can kind of maybe Alex, like frame this the same way we framed the Jalen Brunson one. What is Emmanuel quickly missing that um, has some of these other guys ahead of him? Um, you can say a playoff resume. I would, I would posit as I have um, at different times on this podcast, this off season, that despite the fact that quickly, I would, I think we both agree objectively played pretty badly before getting hurt. This playoffs in some ways was a real Testament to his ability that the Knicks were an absolutely elite offense and an even better defense when he was on the court in the playoffs, despite the fact that he shot terribly. I think they're around 87th percentile offensively, around 98th percentile defensively when he was on the court, um, obviously mostly against the Cavs because he got hurt so early against Miami. And, and I'm sure some of what Seth saw is some of what we saw. Like he looked pretty lost offensively, felt like he all, all that confidence, the bravado that defined his incredible regular season fell off. And yet again, the Knicks were still far better for Emmanuel quickly being out there. And part of that was because of the lineups he was going against, who the Cavs were playing, like how, how top-heavy they are, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yet, I, I think those metrics get to the heart of Emmanuel Quickly's value as a player. And Seth's own metrics get to the heart of Emmanuel Quickly's value as a player, Alex, is that he does a million little things that you don't necessarily pick up on but make your team better, which you cannot say about the majority of those guys I just listed. Yeah, I mean, the only guys that like you start looking at and, and would say, okay, you know, maybe this is a guy that, no matter if he's shooting well or not, you know, is going to like still help the team out would be like Herb Jones. Jones yeah. yeah, that's exactly what's the same guy. Yeah. Like yeah. I, other than that, I mean, it's like mostly just a bunch of not to lump all these dudes together, but by my estimation, kind of a lot of chuckers, a lot of guys. Ben that like, is an awesome defender. I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. I, but like, I think a lot of guys that if their offense isn't going, don't provide you much on the basketball court. You know what I mean? And guys that sometimes will shoot you out of a game too. You know, there's some of these guys that are ahead of him that you've seen, you know, these guys expect like 15 shot attempts per game or whatever. And sometimes they just keep shooting even when the team, you know, even when they're not making them and it's like hurting the team. And, and I think we've seen that from a number of these guys on top of like Deandre Hunter, I, 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 he's been largely viewed as a bust at this point in his career. I mean, I don't know how you put a guy like that ahead of a guy that was just the, the runner up for the six man of the year award. And in our eyes, at least the rightful owner of the six man of the year. I feel like when we discuss Emmanuel quickly with that, it's like, it's like some like Lord of the Rings type stuff. Like he's the rightful heir to the <laughs> six man of the year. Uh, but he the was robbed. Yeah. <laughs> it's spoiled. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, on top of that, there's other guys, you know, that that you even had in the in the players who possibly shouldn't be ahead, where it's just kind of like guys that are just kind of floating by on reputation. I feel like at this point, like guys that you know aren't necessarily this list. Again, we went into this in the last show, but like this list claims to be about this coming season, and when you have guys like Kyle Lowry, who other than a, a good like playoff series against the Knicks or whatever, like did not like he was like borderline almost out of the NBA last right. year, like for most of the year uh, until he kind of refound himself. Mike Conley, who's just been bouncing around, you know, being a journeyman role player at this point, 
uh, Russell Westbrook, who talk about guys that are almost out of the league. I mean, he is so close to that point at this point that it's like, how would you rank him above a rising player going into the fourth year of his rookie deal? Um, you got Vucevic. Like, what has he contributed to? Like, other than mediocrity at this point. Um, and then just a bunch of guys that I would say are like, provide sort of like lesser, like, like versions of what Emmanuel quickly does on his worst night without the possibility to pop off for like 40 points on any given night, like an Alex Caruso, a Bruce Brown, um, a Marcus Smart, honestly, who doesn't really knock your socks off scoring that much. And it's just really more of a defensive presence, you know, guys like that. It just kind of, I don't know. It's, it's irksome to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess I want to, I'll play devil's advocate a little bit because when we talked about Jalen Brunson, I, I disproportionately used his playoff resume as an argument for, all right, he needs to be higher because he did this in the playoffs. And, and again, if you do that with Emmanuel quickly, I, I think that's where, when, when I was, when I was writing this list down and I, I put some of those guys in the possibly should be ahead. I, I think I wanted to maybe return the favor and disproportionately take into account playoff performance where someone like Lowry, I mean, again, it's maybe wouldn't have happened quickly and gotten hurt, but that heat series was obviously better than anything quickly did in the playoffs. Russ um, found new life on the Clippers. He was, I, I watched that series as, as someone who roots for the Phoenix suns. He, he was pretty awesome. Um, and, and turn back the clock a little bit. Um, same with Mike Conley had a good playoffs and, and really helped flip Minnesota season. Like all, all that stuff was great. Um, but for next season, the idea that those guys have more value than Emmanuel quickly just, I mean, Lowry's a part-time player at this point. You, you expect him to play about 40 games per year. Russ still just murders your spacing and is a space cadet defensively. Um, Conley is, there's there's just no way he's better than Emmanuel quickly this year. Even someone who is about 40 spots or maybe 50 or 60 spots higher than him, Chris Paul. I don't think there's one, maybe, 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 maybe some a team like the Warriors, just because they're they're so focused on having veteran know-how and savvy and winning now. But I cannot imagine there are more than four teams in the NBA at this point who would take Chris Paul over Emmanuel quickly for next year. And that's that's not disrespecting Chris Paul. The guy, despite not winning a championship in some ways, is the ultimate winner, always trying to find these slim little margins, but just cannot stay healthy into the playoffs. And and even like when he was healthy last playoffs, Alex, he's being left open and being dared to do something and couldn't really do much, gets picked on defensively, gets picked on bringing the ball up the court, while quickly is clearly on an upward trajectory. And we're talking about a dude, I, I keep referencing the stat, but as a starter last year, 24-5-5 five and five on pretty close to 50-40-90 shooting. Like it, Again, you take into account context. If he's on a different team, he might be an all-star this season. So I don't know. Obviously, we have our biases. We're, we're inclined to see the good in the Knicks guys over the non-Knicks guys. But again, I look at like you throw out other names. Clay Thompson looked washed a lot of last year. Alex Caruso is a one-way player. Josh Giddy, who hasn't really just—I mean, he's, he's fun, but he hasn't proven a whole lot yet. John Collins, like to, um, Atlanta, couldn't trade him if they were dying to. Like I, I say all that to say, I just I I don't I don't really get it. I, I don't get Emmanuel quickly being that low. Yeah, I don't either. And uh, just another injustice in the in the history of Nixon players rankings and uh, maybe two more injustices coming up in just a second with uh, Quentin Grimes and R.J. Barrett. But uh, Gavin, do you want to real quick let everybody know where we got these cool hats from and also potentially our shorts that we're wearing right now? Yeah, Alex, there are friends over at Bird Dogs who I've, I don't know if I've ever done this before, but I'm putting them in the Locked On Knicks Sponsors Hall of Fame. Because at this point, they have sent us the hat, a mug, three pairs of shorts, and a pair of pants. 
And I am uh, going to go home from this vacation I'm currently on in Phoenix and probably buy double that because they are that good. Uh, this is one of, if not my favorite clothing product I've ever gotten for myself. For myself, they make you look so good. And I am, I am typically, I'm not someone who spends a ton of money on clothes. My girlfriend would tell you, not particularly fashion inclined. And yet, Alex, I, I wear these, I feel like a million bucks because they are so incredibly comfortable. And that's a credit to the revolutionary, like stretch fabric. Um, they, like, there's always this issue where regular shorts are made of stiff, restricting cotton. I never feel good. I never feel like I can move. But bird dogs, they, they're, they're the Albert Einsteins of the uh, shorts industry. They invented cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. And they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that's great when you're in Arizona and it's 120 degrees here and, and you don't want that to be an issue. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter promo code locked on NBA for a free tech white hat. That's birddogs.com. Slash locked on NBA or promo code locked on NBA for a free tech white hat. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I know that's the case for both Alex and I. All right. Uh, Emmanuel, quickly. That was an injustice. Quentin Grimes and RJ Barrett. Is this is this finally Alex belatedly? Because I know I know we've spent uh, now an episode and a half or so ripping on the guy. Is this is this where we give Seth Part now some flowers for? One, recognizing Quinn Grimes. I, I scrolled through this list for the first time tonight, and I was pleasantly surprised that he was on here. And R.J. Barrett, who I, I know in the past, Knicks fans have taken issue with him not being on this list. I think he is about appropriately ranked. Given his regular season last year, maybe I'll get killed for this. I would not have had a problem with him not being on this ranking. But, but what did you make of Quinn Grimes and R.J. Barrett? Quinn Grimes being ranked 112th. RJ Barrett being ranked 113. Yeah, I uh I mean, particularly in the case of Quentin Grimes, I still have issues. Nice. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, I mean, this is a guy who for the first two years of his career has proven on decent volume that he can shoot 38% uh from three in his first two years in the NBA. Also raised his overall field goal percentage up to 47% from 40%. Uh, his first year doesn't need the ball a ton, but does all the things that you want. Uh, if you want to talk about playoff success, I mean, he literally was the Knicks spacing other than Jalen Brunson against the Miami Heat. And it was sorely needed, like just to soak up opportunities because he already is garnering that level of respect from guys. Uh, on top of which, I mean, if you look at the, you know, the advanced numbers love Quentin Grimes as well because he defends his butt off and, you know, again, if playoff success plays into this, which it seems it does when it's convenient, um, the guy locked up Jimmy Butler on one leg. He, he for as much as Jalen Brunson did to, you know, propel the Knicks to get as far as they did against the Heat, like Quentin Grimes played some like game changing one on one defense on the I, what this list says was the best player in that series by a wide margin in Jimmy Butler, and like managed to completely neutralize him. Uh, for whole stretches of games to give the Knicks a shot. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I, it's, it's small gripes at this point. I could see, I could make a case that I think that it's wrong to put some of the guys that are even ahead of IQ ahead of him, like Caruso, Bruce Brown. I, I mean, I know he had a really good year and he got paid, but like I, I struggle to put him 
ahead and be like, he's definitely going to influence more than this starting shooting guard on a playoff team that's going to like presumably get better because Grimes showed last year he could get a heck of a lot better uh, overall. And, and he showed a, a huge uptick, uh, you know, in what he was capable of. Uh, but then just as far as guys that are even between quickly and him uh, that, that I take umbrage with uh, Kevin Herter. I sorry. I don't see that. PJ Washington literally isn't even signed with an NBA team at the moment. I might note. Uh, so if you need an idea of how the league views him at this particular moment, I think he's really talented and I kind of wish the Knicks would make a play at this point, but you know, whatever. Um, Terry Rogier, you want to talk about, I mean, part now claims that like Julius Randall is empty stats, whatever, like what is Terry Rogier? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I haven't seen too much. Jakob Pertl, you know, what 50th percentile center in the NBA, you know, like, like slightly above average. I, I don't know. And then like Kevin Looney, who's, you know, like, uh, I, he's a key role player on the Warriors and that's cool. But I don't really think that I would look at, at, at Kevon Looney and be like, this dude is definitely, you know, going to provide more value than Quentin Grimes this coming year, which again is what this list claims to be. And yet so much of it feels like it's a, like, it, it feels like, uh, the like lifetime achievement award aspect uh, leaks into this list a little bit and gets in the way of like what the the statistical curve shows is probably going to happen this year with a guy like Quentin Grimes. So if anything, I think that he was not as disrespected as Emmanuel Quickly, who legitimately had like a a crazy season last year um, as far as advanced metrics and everything else go. But you know, I think he should have at least been top one hundred. I think if I, if I was going to put crime somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. I, I personally, I don't, I don't really have a huge issue with any of those guys. I'm, I, I think you can, you can definitely make the argument because he's just such a better defender than Herder. Rozier is like, how would he look in a different context? I, I think I, I honestly like Rozier as a player. I think Pirtle is, is pretty good. Obviously went for a lot of value going from San Antonio to Toronto. And then they doubled down on that, giving him, I think 20 million a year. So we'll see how that ages. Looney, I think, is awesome. Looney played pretty incredible defense on DeMontis Sabonis and had a bunch of weird, like, 2-point, 20-rebound, 7-assist games in that series. I don't know. He he impressed me. I I, I think, um, again, you can you can make the case, but I, I, I think Grimes is a guy, just given the lack of consistency in the regular season and the playoffs, to your point, was, was essential defensively, essential from a spacing perspective, but maybe partially due to an inconsistent role, partially due to injury. Didn't really get to a chance to shine as an offensive option. Couldn't really take advantage of the fact when, when he did have the ball that Duncan Robinson was guarding. So I still think there are steps there for him to make in terms of offensive consistency and, and impact when he actually has the basketball in his hands. Do I think he's more exciting than the majority of the guys you listed? Do I think he's more exciting and, and someone I'd rather have over the next three years than, a, I don't know, like 30, 40 guys ahead of him, the Tobias Harris, the Dylan Brooks, the, I Gary Trent juniors, even, even someone like Jordan Poole, like I would, I would pretty easily take, I think Quinn Grimes, again, you want to talk about inconsistent arguments. Like you, you apply the Julius Randall logic to a Jordan Poole. I'm going to take Quinn Grimes over him every time again, going forward. And I know the list is just for next year, but I, I think, I think Grimes is going to be a really good player in this league for a long time. That being said, I, I think Seth recognized that to some extent by putting him on this list. And I, I think some credit is, earn there because I, I honestly don't think a lot of NBA writers would have Grimes as the top 
125 guy at this point. I'm not watching him as much as you or me, Alex. But RJ Barrett, what 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 do you think about that one, real quick, Alex? I think it's interesting. So there was, I mean, RJ was ranked one spot lower than Grimes, which I think what, what was the count there? One thirteen. One thirteen. Yeah. It's interesting because obviously the you want to talk about guys whose production has been up and down. That's RJ Barrett in a nutshell. He's proven that he could score about 20 points per game, but not that he can do it particularly efficiently. And yet, if you want to talk about guys that sort of had a playoff coming out party, he sort of did this year and is currently, I, you know, you can't take into account, I guess, like the international play stuff, but just using my critical thinking brain, he looks like right now he's, you know, worked on something this offseason and seems to be, you know, really doing some good stuff uh, in the FIBA qualifiers at the moment. So, I mean, it's, it's like interesting with him. I, I think I'd be curious to look back on part now's list in the past. I'm not sure how long he's been doing these lists for last four years, I think four years. Four yeah. Years, not yeah. quite long enough for me to look at what I would want to look at, but uh, my buddy Drew Steele wrote a really cool piece for the Strickland just the other day about uh, how RJ really compares through his first four years with DeMar DeRozan and Andrew Wiggins. Like those are the two guys that he is most similar to. And those are two guys that are ranked very high on this list. Um, and, you know, those guys have kind of gone different directions, you know, in their career. Like DeRozan still is not a super efficient score. He's never figured out a three-point shot. Um, you know, he's never kind of become that like modern NBA shooting guard. And that's sort of what's held him back to this point in his career and held his teams back. Um, whereas Wiggins has sort of found his way as a more of a role player, you know, and also has become a better three-point shooter, a better defender and everything else. And so, I don't know, I guess I'd just be kind of curious since this list is for this coming season where part now sees RJ going. But I also... I do know just from past things that part now has said about RJ that he's not super high on him to begin with. And I feel like that probably kind of reared its head here a little bit, but I, I do feel like to a degree, I mean, RJ has definitely struggled with the efficiency aspect of things, but there's only so many guys as you could say are like in their early twenties like that, that are like 20 point per game scores in the NBA and are sort of figuring things out at their own speed. Uh, so, you know, maybe this, maybe this is worth revisiting in a year if, if Canada RJ comes in and just like goes crazy this year, but as of right now, it's hard to be too mad about it. Even if I would probably still put him over a couple of those guys that, like I mentioned that were above Grimes also, you know, like I, I would still put him over like Pirtle or like PJ Washington or someone like that, where I'm like, you know, those guys just are not functionally as useful as a guy that like, at least can like get to the hoop and like generate free throws and, you know, some of those numbers are like like top tier for RJ and and suggest that there could be greater things coming. So I, I guess we'll see as far as he goes. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm about on, on the same page. There's, there's a chance that that number looks looks dumb either way in, in a year. And maybe that maybe that's the mark of a good ranking. So credit to you there, Seth. But did he leave the wrong Knicks off the list? Josh Hart, Mitchell Robinson. We talk about that next on Locked on Knicks. All right, let's get into it. Uh, two Knicks left off the list that I think would be fair to argue probably should have made it. Josh Hart, 
and um and Mitchell Robinson so I think my issue with this is I look at guys that I think and and I'd be again uh open invitation though maybe maybe after how we've talked about him on this podcast it's not gonna happen for Seth to come on would be cool to get his perspective on it but I think of Mitch like we 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 I, we, we had we did this conversation on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago him versus Miles Turner and, and Mitch is better than Miles Turner a bunch of advanced metrics Miles Turner has advantages over Mitch in a bunch of advanced metrics but I think of them as contemporaries I think of Josh Hart as pretty analogous to someone like Bruce Brown. The separator there is that Brown hit threes at a better rate in the playoffs. He's more willing to take threes. And that is a really big deal because that is, that kind of makes or breaks Josh Hart as a player. But again, we, we've discussed it a whole bunch, but you look at Josh Hart's regular season impact. He took the Knicks from a team that was on a 43 or so win pace to a 57 win pace. And that wasn't a coincidence, right? It was, it was, it was very much tangible um, the impact he made it and you could you could feel night in and night out how he was changing the next team with his energy with his rebounding with his ability to get to the rim and, and granted in the regular season his ability to hit threes that went away in the playoffs and I, I wonder if you have to take when doing these rankings the middle ground between the regular season performance and the playoff performance and again sure we're, we're, we're maybe doing what we criticize Seth of and doing that and using some selective criteria but if, but if you're saying that regular season Josh Hart I, I think is inarguably a top 125 player because at least his Knicks metrics painted him as like a top 40 or 50 player. And same deal with Mitchell Robinson, who was maybe the best player on the court for a whole playoff series this year. Yeah, Mitch especially. It's kind of like weird to see left off entirely off a list like this when you have guys like Jared Allen, like pretty high on the list. Yeah, who uh, Mitch just have... destroyed, right? Yeah, right. Exactly. Like literally he snatched his soul. That was similar that was to like three months ago. It was three months ago. Yeah. Similar to Jalen Brunson doing the same thing to Donovan Mitchell. And yet it doesn't yeah. get talked about that much. And then, like you said, Miles Turner, uh, Robert Williams, again, you know, like yeah. we brought up Robert Williams on the last show. It's like, what does this dude accomplish to ha- be held in this high regard? You know, I don't I don't totally understand where this comes from. And Mitch is one of those guys that like there's so many advanced numbers that just adore him. Like he has been like, if this thing is all based off advanced stats, like he's always one of the biggest, you know, players that shows up in like those, uh, you know, all the, the various like impact stats and like the Raptor and um, the defensive versatility and like all this stuff on like B-ball index and whatever, you know, he always shows up as being like, this is a very versatile defender for a five. This is a guy that, legitimately like changes games with his rebounding with his interior defense like he is fully the anchor for the Knicks and like okay yeah most of his offense is just him catching lobs or getting putbacks but he serves an extremely important role on a what ended up being a really good team last year and that's sort of just the case for a lot of these guys you know that just kind of show up in the in the somewhat higher parts of these rankings where it's like you know again like we brought him up last show but like like a Derek White or something, you know, it's like this is a guy that just is like a really good role player that influences winning on a good team. So I think Mitch is right there. And I think that Mitch really cemented himself this past year as like one of the best, if not, eh, eh, it's probably stretched to say the best as of right now, but like one of the top like five defensive centers, like in the NBA, as far as guys that can just completely dominate a game through their, their defense on the inside and their rebounding. Um, So, you know, I, 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 it feels like a slight to leave him off. Josh Hart, same deal. Uh, I think it's a little harder to sort of like pinpoint it with him because a lot of his best production, la- like he was having a pretty mediocre year, to be completely honest, with the Blazers. 
prior to coming to the Knicks and then, you know, got a lot better with the Knicks and influenced a ton of winning. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird when you see other guys that I would consider to be sort of his contemporaries ranked on this list. Like, again, I'll bring up even just like Kevin Herter or something like that. It's like, did you really think Kevin Herter is like influencing winning more than Josh Hart based off what they did this past year? I don't know about that. And this whole thing is supposed to be like who would potentially give you better production towards a championship this coming season. And I, I just don't really know how you can, uh, uh, how that works. Uh, but, you know, again, I'm dumbfounded about how this whole list works based off everything that we've talked about in these last two episodes. Yeah. I think Ro- Robert Williams, I mean, at, at, at a minimum 80 spots ahead of Mitch or, or so 70 to 80, that, that's that's crazy to me because I just I don't I don't see it. I, I know the impact he had a year and a half ago when Boston went on that winning streak. And at that point, you could have talked me into it. But he wasn't he wasn't the same guy last year. And his injury prone as Mitch is like he's been a lot healthier than Time Lord has the last two years. So it, it's stuff like that. Where, and 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 maybe maybe this is a good way to wrap up this episode. These lists are really hard to make. Like I, I find myself in, in terms of the arguments I'm making contradicting the logic I use for one player and for another. And when, when you're doing it for the whole league, it's really tough. So I, I, I appreciate the job that Seth has ahead of him, but just as someone who watched the Knicks all year, I would find it very, very hard to make a case that RJ Barrett, like regular season and playoffs together was a better player than Mitchell Robinson. I know Mitch really had his issues against Miami and, and Bam clowned him a little bit, but there's a reason Bam is deservedly a top 40 guy on this list. And I, I think Mitch again is, best or second best offensive rebounder in basketball everything to your point he brings on defense the nba's highest all-time field goal percentage in the season there are just there's some special qualities there that somewhat cancel out what he takes away which is um, the chance to have ideal spacing offensively which is significant but he makes up for it in certain ways and and alex this is all i don't know if you want to have a final comment on this or not but it, it's it, it's so interesting having these conversations because it is so context dependent and and do you punish the Knicks guys for how well their team fits together, or you're not giving someone like Jalen Brunson enough credit for doing what he does in, in a system with essentially no spacing and, and maybe a little bit more offensive creativity for Tom Thibodeau, but not much more like that. That was kind of the argument I was making for Brunson over Fox His context and his situation is so much more difficult and, and all this stuff. It's, it's very, very, very subjective, but I, I think we've, we've put together pretty good cases for why a bunch of Knicks should be quite a bit higher. Yeah. I mean, I just kind of view it as uh the Knicks, you know, by playoff success were one of the eight best teams in the the NBA last year, and it's uh, I, I'd be curious where Tibbs ranks in the uh, the coach rankings now because with with such a talent barren roster, according to this list, uh, I don't know how he ever got them that far. Uh, it's it's pretty tough stuff. Uh, <laughs> that's my final salt to add to the to the final thing here. But yeah, you know, only the thirty eighth, sixty second, hundred second, hundred twelfth, hundred thirteenth, and not ranked should should have won coach of the year again should have won coach of the year again maybe another one coming up soon uh or perhaps maybe Jalen brunson will finally get his flowers next year in all these rankings as well as julius randall maybe the knicks will make a conference finals or something if you listen to bobby marks apparently they might make the finals stop throwing those takes out there i do not want 
these guys should not be allowed to say, I think the Knicks are going to make the finals. No, be quiet. Cause I don't want to hear yeah. it later in the season when it's like, Oh, like five experts said the Knicks were going to make the finals and they didn't yeah. even make the second if, round or whatever. If we haven't made it clear. We want, we want cautious optimism from cautious from optimism. Just from everybody everyone. give give us cautious optimism and like this much more respect. And that'll be good. Uh, I'll feel good as a Knicks fan. So uh, anyway, the rankings list are stupid, but it was fun debating them. Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll see you back for the ESPN top 100 or whatever whenever that comes out close to the season uh but also uh i think have a pretty cool special guest for our final episode or two of this week uh so keep your ears out for that but until next time thank you all for listening and we will talk to you guys all soon peace out